All right, welcome to another Pro Football Doc podcast, post week three, except for Monday Night Football, and pre week four. Uh, we're going to break out new new format for the podcast this year. Number one, we're on Outkick and their podcast network. We're going to have it up on Periscope and Twitter here. We're going to break it down into two sections a deep dive section and a injury rundown section. Easier to access and scroll through this way. The deep dive, the topic we're going to be talking about today is why John Lynch is smarter than I am. There's, trust me, I know, don't worry, we're not going to take three hours. There's probably five hours of reasons why he's smarter than I am. But the 49ers have something special going and we'll talk about why despite all their injuries. That'll be our deep dive topic as well as the turf and all the injuries around the league. Uh, But this first segment here, really no questions. We're going to go through some things. But the second segment, when we do the player rundown, we'll invite lots of questions. And, of course, we'll have our usual Beast of the Week uh, feature, which is a good one this week. So um, why is John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan smarter than me? Probably 10,000 reasons. John Lynch is a Stanford graduate. Full disclosure, I know John Lynch. I knew him as a player. He's a San Diego area kid. I know his family a little bit. He's as smart as they come, as humble as they are, and I have the utmost respect for him. But after this week, even higher respect for John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, who I don't really know very well. But let me tell you why. If you go to uh, some of the things that I wrote this week, on, and I'll show you here on the computer, um, uh, let me flip to the computer here and uh, for example at Outkick here the articles we talk about the injuries and we look back and what we see is really uh, what I told you on Sunday morning we were four and one four good hits so there were top five actionable NFL injury things we can go over them but quickly here Tampa Bay at Denver with an A minus versus a C plus and the Tampa Bay being much healthier than the Broncos with the two best offensive players, Cortland Sutton and Drew Locke out, the two best defensive players, Yvonne Miller and A.J. Boye out. Easy win for Tampa Bay. The 49ers and Giants here. The 49ers are way more injured and we'll get back to that, yet they prevailed, and we'll come back to that one. Cincinnati at Philadelphia, once again, another full letter grade difference, Cincinnati B-plus versus C-plus for the Eagles. You can see the Eagles' defensive injuries and their slew of offensive injuries, which we'll go over, actually got worse with uh, Deshaun Jackson, but the Bengals hung with the Eagles, and the Eagles did struggle. Chicago at Atlanta predicted a high-scoring game with all the Atlanta defensive problems, with an A minus Chicago Bears grade and a B minus Atlanta Falcons health grade. Now remember this is health only, not scheme, not talent. It's health only, not scheme, not talent. And uh, so what we're trying to do is point out some of the unforeseen injury issues that might affect a line or or a uh, prop wager or a fantasy projection. That's what we're trying to do here. And back to the computer, the fifth one we talked about was Tennessee at Minnesota, and we said it was going to be a a high-scoring game here and uh, might be some points scored from both sides, 31 and 30 points, easily the over. 
And we even talked about the Jets' lack of offensive firepower down here, which was very evident. And the Cowboys' offensive line still not healthy. And the Packers, uh, sorry, the, the uh, Seahawks uh, bested the Cowboys uh, in the end there. In any case, that's, let's go back to uh, the San Francisco 49ers and why John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are smarter than I am. Look at this injury index and field view. A great difference overall. Offense, the 49ers more healthy. Defense, the Giants more healthy. You look at the Giants against the 49ers, obviously uh, Jimmy Garoppolo out, Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman out, George Kittle out, Debo Samuel still out, Brendan Ayuk still coming back, although he had a nice game. All these injuries here. The Giants really just with David Mayo as the main out. On defense, Nick Bosa out, Solomon Thomas out, Dre Greenlaw out, Richard Sherman out, uh, D. Ford out, and really Nate Solder was an opt for the Giants as an opt-out is the only one, and of course Saquon. So no question overall, the 49ers were much healthier. So the assumption is the line took care of that, took care of scheme and players, but the defense, the injuries would derail the 49ers. And I was dead wrong. The 49ers have enough depth, scheme, and coaching to overcome the slew of injuries. They have 10 players that are in injured reserve. Through a typical season, the average is 10. We're in week three. The 49ers have 10 players on injured reserve, yet they dominated that game and made me look bad in my prediction here. This is why hats off to John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. Admittedly, the 10 IRs might be higher because it's only a three-week IR this injured reserve this year, and the likes of Tevin Coleman can come on and come off, so to speak. And they did it not pushing their luck. If they really needed, George Kittle could have played, but they played it smart and they rested George Kittle because they're aligned with him with the big new contract. They're married. They're tied with George Kittle's long-term health. So John Lynch and, and uh, Kyle Shanahan really did the right thing, improved me and made, proved me wrong and made me look bad with my injury assessment. The injury assessment and their injury grade is, I still think, very correct. The difference is they were able to overcome. And you could say, I don't have anything to do with that because I'm just talking injuries. And if you want to be a purist, I could say, well, gee, I was right. But I led you all down the wrong path there because I thought the injuries would catch up to them this week. I thought the entire week on the road would catch up to them, make them road weary with different COVID precautions, eating to go food. Look. How many of you like eating to-go food under co current COVID conditions versus being able to be at home and get the food that you want and sleep in the own bed that you want? But Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch turned it into a positive where their team was resolved to play well, despite the turf scares that they had at MetLife Field. And they really killed it. And so hats off to them for knowing their team, knowing what their team needs, and taking the risk to stay 
the week in West Virginia. So it's not like they stayed in New York, New York or the New Jersey area. They actually got on a plane and flew to West Virginia, maybe an hour, instead of the four and a half hours home on a charter, and made the whole week work. By the time you add in bus rides and everything else, it wasn't that big of a difference. But I would love to sleep in my own bed instead of a hotel room. But the 49ers made this work, and they obviously know their team. Mentally, they got their team ready with the turf issue, uh, and there weren't a lot of new injuries this week. Thankfully, we'll talk about that. But they obviously know their team. Look, last year, they requested the East Coast trip. They started the season in Tampa. They stayed in Ohio and then played the Bengals, and they started 2-0 on their way to the Super Bowl. They averaged a total of 44.5 points last year. This year, due to scheduling, they're playing the Jets and Giants on the road. And they requested the league to have the back-to-back -back games. And they planned to stay out there. This is even before the pandemic came. And obviously, they know what they're doing. I might have advised against it. But they scored 31 points against the Jets and 36 points against the Giants. They're, and with all these injuries, weathering all these injuries. So the 49ers have it going. I tip my cap to John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan and company. Uh, they know way better than I do. And this slew of injuries that would have derailed a lesser team did not derail them at all. And look, we'll talk about it, but I think Kittle likely comes back. Garoppolo's not far away. They're exiting their injury woes right now. And so uh, 49ers are looking good. As far as the turf issue is concerned, there are now 21 ACLs this season league-wide so far as of this posting. In the previous five years, there's an average of 25 ACLs before week one. So technically, there's actually fewer ACLs this year. But remember, preseason or training camp, had no games and was really only half as long because the first three weeks were just getting through the COVID protocols mostly and getting up to speed. So that's why you're seeing a lot of the hamstring injuries now. If you had a full six weeks of preseason, those hamstrings injuries might have been hidden within the six weeks of preseason and players from acclimation would be healthier week one. But now, through week three, this, this is probably the normal start of the regular season, so to speak, if you did it by timing. Week four coming up because of the six-week acclimation period for soft tissue injuries. So injuries in general, at least by gross count of ACLs, are lower. By hamstrings affecting the regular season are higher. And that's because I think the injuries got pushed into the regular season. So there's a quick summary. As far as the turf is concerned, didn't seem to be an issue for the 49ers. Maybe they changed shoes like we talked about to make the turf le less sticky. Thankfully, we did not get any serious injuries. Of course, um, there was Jordan Reed's ankle inversion sprain which is not a foot stick in the ground high ankle sprain, so I don't think it had anything to do with the turf. He came back and played, and then he left with a knee injury. Hard to blame that on the turf. Uh, there was a concussion in the game. That's hard to blame on the turf. And on the, uh, for the uh, Giants, uh, uh, their safety, uh, blanking on his name right now, um, uh, had a, uh, 
uh, ankle sprain as well. And once again, it was a low ankle sprain, not high ankle sprain. Therefore, um, once again, hard to blame the turf. So the turf passed inspection. I think the turf is a non-issue right now uh, for MetLife Stadium. And uh, bottom line is, uh, I hope my brother doesn't see this. Um, we have a little friendly rivalry. He's a doctor. He went to that junior university, the same junior university that uh, John Lynch went to, Leland Stanford Junior University. Obviously, I say that in jest. It's Leland Stanford Junior, comma, university named after him, not Leland Stanford, comma, a junior university. But uh, I went to that other uh, university in the East Coast in Boston or Cambridge, and so we give a little, a little grief on that. Hopefully my brother doesn't see this because I'm admitting the Stanford guy was better than the Harvard guy this time because I doubted the 49ers with their injuries and I was wrong. But the bottom line is I don't feel too bad because if you followed my advice all the way and made your own decisions about props and other things, I think there was you know, four out of the five information put out in that article was uh, pretty good. So we will uh, take that. In any case, I'd re much rather have a podcast like this and a deep dive like this than talk about what we talked about last week with the Tyrod Taylor punctured lung news that I think we sort of broke on Monday. And uh, to that effect, Tyrod Taylor is indeed coming along fine. And week four this week is iffy, but for sure by week five, Anthony Lynn will have a decision to make between Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert. Obviously, the Chargers lost to the Carolina Panthers, and Herbert's debut uh, wasn't matched with his second start here. Uh, where he took the Chiefs into overtime. Uh, so this will we'll wrap up segment one of uh, Pro Football Doc Podcast. Coming up next in segment two, we'll take questions, injury rundown of all positions, and uh, the beast of the week. Uh, thanks for watching and hope to see you on the other side. All right, week three, post-week three, Pro Football Doc Podcast part due. Uh, Outkick and uh, at ProFootballDoc.com. Plenty of time for questions. Let's hold them for the end so that I don't, uh, if I don't cover something, uh, please chime in for questions. I definitely want to uh, see them here. Um, all right, injury rundown. Uh, that first segment, let me know what you think. Uh, that was heartfelt. I think, I think the world of John Lynch. And one thing I didn't say is John Lynch is so smart, and I should have said it in the first podcast, he knows what he doesn't know. Obviously, he's a smart guy, went to Stanford and is a football player. Uh, and then he was in the broadcast booth. Broadcast booth to GM with no scouting experience could have gotten him in trouble. And I should have included this on the first part, but it didn't. You want to know why? He knew what he didn't know. He was smart enough to surround himself with good people instead of just say, well, I know how that works. I know how this works. He would get the right people in the room. And uh, obviously he's got good medical and injury help in the room and he's got a good contingency plan. Like I said, they outsmarted me in my analysis of how they would do this week and uh, bested it. But let's go to the injury rundown, which is what you're here for. Uh, first up, quarterbacks will run through by position. And uh, 
Remember, when you go to profootballdoc.com, there's all sorts of through FanDuel and through OutKick free offers. It's not just about wagering, not just about DFS, not just about fantasy, not just about the health of one guy. If you're trying to decide between two running backs, maybe you should look and see what the defensive health is the run defense health is of the team they're playing against and that might help you uh, for example before that Thursday game we were telling people the Bengals defensive line was injured with Mike Daniels and Geno Atkins out and Nick Chubb uh, and Kareem Hunt had quite a day that Thursday in any case on to the list here uh, quarterbacks Jimmy G did not play the 49ers didn't need him and uh, I think uh, there is a reasonable chance that he could play this next week. I would put him in the questionable category. We'll see how the week goes coming off that mild high ankle. Now, if he were a cornerback or a receiver or running back, I don't think he would be ready. But since he's a quarterback, he just needs to be able to plant and drive off that back right Foot, foot and ankle, the high ankle sprain, as opposed to doing all of the running and cutting. So that's why I think he has a chance. Uh, but we'll see about that. And I think the 49ers on the upside of their injury downward trend. Tyrod Taylor, from a lung perspective, can play this next week in week four. From a rib fracture perspective, probably needs one more week. Uh, he probably could play, but could he really take a hit without being in pain? And no one can blame him for not wanting to do a rib block uh, going forward. So I think where the rubber meets the road for the Chargers is week five, not week four, as to staying with Justin Herbert and Tyrod losing his starting job due to injury or going back to Tyrod. So Justin Herbert... Uh, I think played well this week, not maybe quite as well as Kansas City where they took where he took them to overtime, but that's what happens. You know, there's a there's a book on him now. I mean, uh, a rookie pitcher you never they've never seen your pitches. They've seen some of his pitches now, so uh, teams can design defenses to catch up. But I still think he's a quality guy. So Tyrod Taylor's situation is there at running back. The big one is Tariq Cohen. The ACL part's been confirmed. The MCL part has not yet. And uh, he's done for the season and will need surgery. Whether there was an associated MCL or not, like I thought there was, is an academic point. He's looking at next season to return. Um, the Bears are reaching out to some interesting people. I think that'll get reported soon here. Um, but I'm not a breaking news guy, so I will let that go. Um, Chris Carson is the big one that everyone wants to talk about at running back. Uh, Chris Carson with the Gator roll from Tristan Hill and word is Hill's likely to be fine, not suspended. I think a lot of people took offense to what he did. Um, I have to trust players and coaches. They know the game better than I do. Um, he wasn't looking up at the guy. So maybe he didn't know. I don't know. I'm not an NFL player, but if NFL players and defenders are saying, like, uh, like Marcus Spear is saying that was bad form, I have to trust that, and he'll have to suffer the consequences. But the good news is the news is coming in positive on Chris Carson. Pete Carroll says 
one or two weeks knee sprain. And I think this is a true knee sprain with nothing torn, not a Bruce Irvin knee sprain, meaning a grade three sprain, meaning an ACL tear and done for the season. Don't think that's the case for Chris Carson. Just by the injury mechanism, even with that gator roll twisting, I think it can cause pain. I think Chris Carson is more hurt and sore than injured where there's structural damage. And I would not rule Chris Carson out for this week yet. I think he could even play this week going forward. Um, running back Tevin Coleman, not back yet. Uh, Raheem Mostert gets close this week. Uh, all for the uh, 49ers there. Uh, on the wide receivers, there are lots and lots of wide receivers out here who are injured. Let's just start with a few here. Chris Godwin went out with a hamstring early in the fourth quarter. But Tampa was up considerably on the uh, Broncos by that point in time. They were up three scores. And I hope he left the game more for hamstring tightness than for partial tear or strain because of the score rather than real injury. There, he's getting an MRI and we'll wait and see. Some people thought it was a cramp. Didn't look like a cramp the way that he pulled up and the way that he positioned his leg. Hopefully it's mild. And maybe it's just some early season acclimation. Remember, he missed some time with the concussion the week before, and maybe this is just a restart up for him. So fingers crossed, not a long absence for Chris Godwin now that he's back. And remember, of course, teammate Mike Evans had a, came into this season with a hamstring, was a decoy week one, and then week two and three has done okay with his hamstring, and it's probably behind him. <coughs> Excuse me. Another receiver with a hamstring is Deshaun Jackson. The Eagles have just been beat up, beat up, beat up. And if you go look at the Eagles uh, injury index here <coughs> and field view, you see on offense, Lane Johnson is back after his ankle surgery. Brandon Brooks out for the season. Brandon Brooks out for the season. Lane Johnson, they lost their guard who get that position, gave up some, some pressures and sacks. Jason Peters still filling in for Andre Dillard. Alshon Jeffrey, limited practice only, has not come back from his Liz Frank surgery. Jalen Rieger with the thumb out till about mid-season in addition to the shoulder. And uh, now this spot, Deshaun Jackson. I think this will become red. Miles Sanders, I think he's now healthy and is all green, but this is now a red. And we'll get to Dallas Goddard here. This will be a, a green red because Zach Ertz is okay, but Dallas Goddard is not. We'll cover him in the tight end. But Deshaun Jackson, I think, will miss some time in their Eagles pass offense already at a C minus. I mean, we don't like giving out Ds. If we give a D for injury, that almost is implying a team or a GM was ill-prepared with backups. And so I don't know if we'll get there this week. We'll have to, to uh, take a look. But if the O-line doesn't get any healthier and your three starting wide receivers are out, and uh, we don't see a lot of backups. And that might be our first D or D-plus of the season. We'll have to see as, as the week goes on as we grade this. But uh, Deshaun Jackson, here's why I'm more negative on Deshaun Jackson than Chris Godwin. I'm more negative on Deshaun Jackson playing through hamstring than I was on Julio Jones, who did not play. Uh, we'll cover Julio Jones and De Devontae Adams as well. Uh, uh, let me go through it right now. <clears throat> Devontae Adams didn't play and I think could play next week but as expected he didn't because 
A, the Packers are 2-0. and They can afford to sit him. B, the Packers have always been conservative on injuries. And C, they don't want to make it worse, right? And so it was an easy decision to sit him. And being doubtful already means it's only a 2 or 3% chance of playing. And he did not play this week. He's got, he's in the questionable range next week. On the other hand is uh, uh, Julio Jones. <coughs> little frog in my throat here. You got some water there, Christian? Thank you from, from the thing. Thank you. Uh, Julio Jones. Thanks, Christian. Uh, Christian Peterson, our producer extraordinaire. In any case, um, Julio Jones, I thought had a better chance to play because he's a bigger body type receiver and doesn't rely on separation. He didn't in the end, but also there was pressure because the Falcons were 0-2 and, and needed him. Now, Deshaun Jackson, why do I think, uh, I think Julio probably will go next week. Devontae Adams is 50-50 for next week. I think Deshaun Jackson is going to be out next week. As a matter of fact, I would think that he's probably going to go on IR and miss three weeks, unless it's a very, very mild hamstring strain. Why? This is where what we do, microphone, <laughs> all sorts of technical issues here. Sorry about that. Uh, my microphone back on next to the mask here. Here's why. You can't just call every injury the same. You can't call every mild or grade one hamstring the same or high ankle the same. We talked about Jimmy G and being quarterback, why he might come back more quickly than some other receivers, than Michael Thomas because of what he has to do. But why Deshaun Jackson, the pessimism? I'm not calling him soft. I'm not doubting him. I'm not even saying, look at last year, his core muscle, he ended up missing the whole year. That's not it at all. He is a speedy, small, wide receiver that relies on his hamstring, that relies on separation to get open and be effective, that relies on burst. He's not a Julio Jones who can body up somebody. He's not a Kenny Galladay. He's a different guy. The hamstring will affect him more. This is why no matter what grade of hamstring, it will not surprise me if he goes on injured reserve. Now remember that's only three weeks. Uh, I'm sure the Eagles don't want to do it because losing him, if they can get him back after two weeks, that's a big plus. But in any case, um, that's Deshaun Jackson. Let's see what happens with him. Russell Gage had a concussion. Uh, backup for Atlanta, uh, Deontay Johnson, number two receiver of the Steelers with a concussion. Hard to say who will return to play and who won't. St statistically, one of those two will play next Sunday and the other won't. That's just statistics. I can't tell you who. John Brown with the Bills with a calf. Important for running, jumping, burst, and calf strains can linger. You've heard me say that. so. We'll have to see how that goes. Brian Edwards, the Raiders, uh, came, coming in uh, with a foot issue, left early with an ankle. We'll have to go back and look at film. Michael Pittman Jr. with an ankle. Mike Williams with a hamstring, uh, for example. Mike Williams is a guy, if he has the same degree of hamstring strain as Deshaun Jackson, 
I think he could make it back a little more quickly, being how big he is. Now, of course, depends on the time of the season, their contract, the agent, what the coach says. There's lots of factors. But physically, if he plays with a mild hamstring, he has a less lower chance of making it worse and a better chance of success than, let's say, a Deshaun Jackson or a speedster like Marquise Hollywood Brown. They're just different players, Mike Williams and those guys. And, of course, the bad news on JoJo Natson, ACL tear. The 21st ACL so far in this 2020 NFL season, including preseason and training camp. Uh, and usually, as we've talked about, by week one of the regular season, there are 25. So we're at a slightly slower pace. A.J. Brown, bone contusion for the Titans, knee contusion. This is the first week of a realistic chance to play. I think they're going to play it safe. I'm not sure that he goes. We'll have to follow him along. But this is the first realistic week. We'll have to look at practice reports. Let's move on to tight ends and the other big bone bruise, George Kittle. I think George Kittle could go this week. Remember, two and a half weeks is what he missed last season with his hyperextension knee bone bruise. It's a very similar looking injury this time. We said early on, week one, there was no way he was going. We said week two, week three game, the second week of his injury, this week it was unlikely. I think he's truly questionable 50-50 this week. This is the realistic chance that he could go. But like I said, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan probably have a better plan than I do in terms of what works for them. Uh, and of course, Jordan Reed's status might play into what they want to do with George Kittle as well because he did not finish the game. Inversion ankle sprain, I'm sure he can play through that, but the knee is what knocked him out, or the combination of the two is what knocked Jordan Reed out of that game. And you know, we all know Nick Mullins loves his tight ends if he's the starter again. Uh, obviously, uh, 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 Ross Dwellinger had a great game last season when Nick Mullins played and this year or previously when Nick Mullins played and the tight ends were heavily targeted this game too with Nick Mullins. Uh, Dallas Goddard tight end is another big one. We posted in game at the website and on the Twitter handle mild high ankle sprain first quarter he kept playing and what happened just like Jimmy G got more sore didn't finish the game. I think Goddard's going to miss some time. It's a matter of how much. Um, if the Eagles are lucky, he misses one or two weeks. If the Eagles are unlucky, he could go on injury reserve and miss three. Hopefully it's not something where he's going to be out until middle of the season. He makes a good pair with Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz obviously will get a few extra targets now with uh, Goddard out. and. Uh, Mild high ankle sprain. It depends on the swelling. Let's move on to the offensive line injuries. Let's first talk about a pair of guards for the Seattle Seahawks. Michael Iupati and Damian Lewis. Michael Iupati, who's the career NFC West guy. I mean, he's played all over the NFC West. I think the Rams are the only team. He started on the 49ers, then he went to the Cardinals, and now he's with the Seahawks. So his next stop might be the the 49ers. But anyways, he's out with a knee issue and right guard Damian Lewis is out with an ankle. And then a whole slew of left tackles were injured. Russell Okung with the Panthers came in with a kind of a surprise inactive with his groin. So we'll have to see if he can make it back. 
Andres Pete left with a high ankle sprain. He was carted off, so there was a big scare. But indeed, like we thought by video, no fractures, high ankle sprain. Um, the question is how much time he misses. Uh, that three-week over-under injured reserve is once again perplexing. I think he probably won't go on injured reserve, but we'll have to see. High ankle sprain. Taylor Lewan, we didn't get a lot of good video, but he went out with a, what looked like a shoulder or neck. It's been declared a shoulder, but the video wasn't very clear. I can't tell you if it was a stinger or something worse than that with his neck or shoulder. We'll have to follow up with some more information or wait, wait for the All-22 coaches film. Uh, Deion Dawkins with the Bills left with the shoulder. Makai Becton uh, with the Jets, the first round pick left with the shoulder. Uh, Brian Balaga, the Chargers, came in uh, with a knee and hamstring issue, did not finish the game with a back issue. Hopefully that's temporary. Let's talk about some defenders here. Um, Jamal Adams, safety for the Seahawks, took himself out of the game with a groin issue. Uh, Pete Carroll says it's day-to-day. -day. I love Coach Carroll, but coach speak, day-to-day -day usually means week-to-week. -week. To me, it's a question of does he miss one week or does he miss two weeks? Uh, he's going to miss more than day-to-day, -day, I think, on Jamal Adams, especially the type of player he is. Not only downhill, but he covers sideline to sideline, and so I think that groin really will affect him. Chase Young also has a groin. We saw the play that had happened. He was making a rush against the right tackle, moved laterally, and pulled up on a groin that he came in with. Whenever you get injured or re-injured on a groin or any muscle injury, that usually means you're out the next week. I think there's going to be a short absence for uh, Chase Young. He's not playing this next week. Uh, Christian Kirksey was listed with a shoulder, limited video. He had a peck previously. I really hope it's not a peck again. That would be the worst concern for Packers linebacker Christian Kirksey. Seattle linebacker Jordan Brooks with the proverbial knee sprain. Avante Maddox, cornerback for the Eagles with an ankle issue. 49ers cornerback Emmanuel Mosley. Once again, Eagles and 49ers. You see the theme of injuries with a concussion. The Giants safety. That's in the part one is the one that I couldn't remember. Jabril Peppers, that's whose name escaped me. Come on, Christian, you could have helped me out. No, I'm just joking. Um, safety, uh, inversion ankle sprain, not high ankle, a chance to continue to play. And I don't think you can make that part of the MetLife turf stickiness. Denzel Ward with a flare-up of the groin, number one corner. That's going to continue to hamper the Browns, where their secondary has been beat up most of the year. Look, a defender that's got to move laterally with a groin, that re-aggravated a groin, I think he's missing some time. How much is the question? And Chris Harris Jr. with the Chargers, listed as a foot, but by video it looked more like a mild high ankle sprain. Injury of the week, I guess, high ankle. So he may miss some time. The other big injury we'll talk about, believe it or not, is on a kicker. Um, Young Ho Koo, Atlanta Falcons kicker. Now we talked about Randy Bullock week one, Cincinnati Bengals kicker, whether it was right calf, left calf, the whole deal. And he's been money. Without him, the Bengals don't stay hang with the Eagles and tie. They had a chance to win even. The Bengals should have won, quite honestly. The Eagles were lucky to tie. But Randy Bullock's been money since his calf issues. Uh, Young Ho Koo, not so much. 
reported with a groin issue, Tom Pelissaro reported. I think this is going to be a big deal. I think he's going to go on injured reserve. A groin for a soccer-style kicker is huge. It happened, I probably, in pregame warm-up after the inactives, so you really couldn't do anything about it. He didn't kick off at all, and kick off is when you need, is when you, quote, break out the driver, right? The uh, extra points and other things, that's often a nine iron, a seven iron, a five iron, or, you know, a five wood, depending on the length. The kickoffs, you're breaking out the driver. And if you have a groin issue, you can't hit the driver. Just like if you have a back issue or a shoulder issue, you can't hit the driver. He couldn't kick off. He did not kick off all game. He toughed it out. He did make a, he missed his first extra point. He made a 29-yard field goal, made a 36-yard field goal, and missed the 48-yard field goal. So an extra point in a 48-yarder, and the Falcons go to 0-3 and lost to the Bears by four points. I'm not blaming the kicker. I'm not blaming the team. He, it was a game effort to play through. I just said it's really hard to, you, to make kicks with a soccer sire kicker. It affects your accuracy, not just act distance. But here's the issue. The Falcons doesn't have a choice. If he got injured in pregame, I mean, this is a much better, quote, pregame injury than the Tyrod Taylor one, but you can't substitute. You've named your 46. And you don't carry two kickers ever. Uh, you have to either ask the punter to kick, and, and a lot of people say no big deal. Uh, that's a big deal. That's like uh, asking the uh, Italian chef to cook Chinese. You're a good cook, and you can do it, but that's just not your expertise and area of comfort. So kickers don't want to punt, and punters don't want to kick. I mean, it's more different than a safety playing corner. It's much different and uh, more different than a guard playing tackle. The, the motion of punting and kicking, totally different. Not much to do about it and that is just too bad. So let's wrap up with Beast of the Week here. Or are there questions? I'm not seeing on Periscope. Oh, there's some questions here and then we'll wrap up with the Beast of, Beast of the Week. God won. Uh, is MRI normal? I don't know yet. As of this airing, there's... Normal procedure. Oh, it's a normal procedure. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, I know it's September still, but we've already gotten Halloween costumes for the kids, so Halloween's on my mind. My three-year-old... Look, I've been not... I'm going to start doing more at home. I know you, some of you guys miss the kids. I'll put them on the periscopes. The three-year-old has been wearing her, what she calls, unicorn outfit, unicorn outfit. My son, seven-year-old, is a ninja. He's got his little nunchucks and little things. The, the seven-year-old daughter is, I'm not sure yet, about seven different things. So why am I talking about Halloween costumes? Because MRIs in the NFL, for almost all injuries, much less soft tissue injuries, are given out like candy on a non-pandemic Halloween. There are lots of MRIs, and probably more than you even know. Not that the doctor relies only on the MRI. Yes, they do ultrasound. Yes, they do exams. But is it normal to get an MRI? Absolutely. Even if they're just trying to figure out if it's a cramp or a mild strain, or just tightness or a mild strain. You're, and what you're looking for is how hard to push, where it is, how else to treat it, and quite honestly, give the GM and the head coach a time frame. 
Gee, I think it's two to three weeks. Gee, I think it's whatever. Hey, Christian, one of these weeks, let's talk about time frame estimates and how I did that. Remind me for uh, part one of the pod- podcast. And we'll talk about MRI usage and the importance of time frames to a team. Jordan Reed, uh, the ankle injury, I think you can play through the, the, the combination of the knee is the question. All right, let's wrap one up. Final one. Yes. Uh, thoughts on Debo Samuel's comeback by week five? Thank you. Debo Samuel's comeback by week five. If I'm remembering correctly, he went on injured reserve, which probably makes him eligible to come back this week, week four. I got to check my facts on that. If you guys remember, since the beginning of the season or the off season, I said I thought he was going on PUP. And he didn't. And some of you might say, well, you were wrong. And once again, this fits our theme of the day. John Lynch and the 49ers are smarter than I am. I didn't figure this out. PUP means he didn't ever pass a physical, and passing a physical is somewhat subjective. And going to reserve PUP for the regular season means six weeks missed. With the new pandemic rules, if he passes a physical and gets pushed and has a setback, He can go on injured reserve and miss only three weeks, giving the 49ers week four, five, and six flexibility to activate him versus if he were PUP, he could not play until week seven. So another example, thank you for the question, of how John Lynch is smarter than I am and had it figured out better than I did. So, but I don't know that he's ready week four here. And, you know, he's got to acclimate into it. I hope it's not true. I hope he doesn't, you know, get a hamstring or something else. Um, He'll be there, but I don't know this week yet on Debo Samuel. So beast of the week. Every week I want to talk about a guy who just gets my thumbs up on how tough they are and how tough this game of football is. Uh, We really should. Actually, let me try and, and show you right now. Take a look at this hit if I can find it here for you. Um, So first of all, here's the gator roll, but give me a second here. I don't want to... Okay, here's here's the gator roll from earlier um, on Chris Carson where Tristan Hill rolls over on him. And yeah, the defender kneels on him, but that twisting motion isn't going to cause serious injury, thankfully. But here is, here's the hit on, here's our beast of the week. Tell me this isn't special. I'll play it again. Joe Burrow is our beast of the week. This is a quarterback. Look at his head and neck snap. I mean, my ribs are sore from this. Yes, he's got a flak jacket on, but your arm's sore, your shoulder's sore, your chest is sore, your ribs are sore, the wind is knocked out of you, the snot is knocked out of you. How is his neck not sore? I mean, thankfully, there's a whiplash effect, and you could get a concussion from it, but he didn't. He missed one play and returned and continued to play well. You look at that video, and you have an instantaneous vote, and if you said out for the year, out for six weeks, out for three weeks, out for just this game, or out for one play, 
I don't know that anyone picks out for one play. Just look at that. So no question, number one draft pick, Joey, Joe Burrow is the beast of the week for absorbing that hit and missing the one required play. He might have stayed in the game if it were allowed, but you have to come out for one play or you get a timeout. Amazing. Joe Burrow right there. So that's our Beast of the Week. Thanks for watching part one and part two of the podcast. Thanks to OutKick for having me on their podcast network. And thank you, Christian. And we'll see you guys tonight, Monday Night Football Halftime Injury Chat, and the rest of this week on all the different outlets. Thank you.